welcome to the Shooter Research Community Podcast, the show that dives deep into shooters and shooter cases with the purpose to discover ways to prevent these events from happening in the future. I am Lilith, and nice to meet you all. In today's episode, we will talk about a very controversial topic. We will be having a series of interviews with guests that claim to have been potential shooters in the past. And we'll discuss the ins and outs of what led these people to get to the point where this even became an option. Our goal is to understand the process before people commit the actual shooting. A disclaimer, none of the people we interview are a danger to their environment right now and are seeking out professional help. This episode may contain content that might be triggering to some of the listeners, so viewer discretion is advised. Keep an open mind and be sure to listen all the way through for details. Enjoy. We're going to be talking about your experience with being a past potential shooter because people might misunderstand the purpose of this interview and it's really just to understand you know like what happens before someone even decides to actually go through with it you were a potential shooter in the past or at least you have thought about it. Can you tell us a little bit about what led up to even entertaining the idea? At first, when I look back on it, the first Mm -hmm. thing that comes to mind is just the general injustice of the world. Mm -hmm. So, like, uh, it'd be being picked on by people for no reason or people that I trusted betraying my trust and you know especially in school adults who are supposed to help you not really helping you or even worse like being a bastard against you Mm -hmm. so feeling like the world is against you sort of makes you feel like a chicken stuck in a corner loneliness, helplessness, and um, before that, even outside of the schooling and work aspect, um, I've always been a little bit funny in the head, I guess. Well, I always had the mindset that I, although I don't consider myself to be a bad guy, I always entertained the idea of being a bad guy like you know how in primary school kids will play pretend with each other and all that um when i was in primary school i loved being one of two roles i was either the big bad guy you know Mm -hmm. the, the guy that you know would be killing people whatever or i was possibly even a good guy or even a bad guy and Mm. I would die basically as far back as I could remember it was always this there was always this idea of wanting 
to feel, I guess, powerful or significant in some way, or otherwise just an escape. Where do you feel that desire to be powerful came from? Definitely from the fact I feel like the entire world's against me, because just the fact that very rarely do I get people who are on my side, even when I'm very clearly in the right, they always side on the wrong side. So, and it just feels like they're doing it just to spite me. And that they can push me around and whatever. And, and I think when that dignity as a human being is hurt, you lash out in a, in, in a certain way. And considering my experiences, I definitely did lash out a fair bit, but it wasn't until uh, high school where I definitely started taking notice of the ideation, and it wasn't until senior years where I actually started, you know, planning. But, um, yeah, like you did not commit any shootings? In, when I was in my final year, uh, the last like the thing that essentially brought me over the edge was a break that was that happened because the other person was cheating and they tried to justify it and all that but they essentially ran about it in a very hurtful way and the other person who was supposed to be my friend definitely wasn't helping they sort of saw me as a, I guess, hindering someone that doesn't matter. So, um, and during that entire week, I was stuck in a little, like we have a room at the school for people to just go and chill, whether you're having a bad day or you're one of the disabled kids, you go up there to hang with the teacher's aides and that. And so I would hang hang out there, and while I was in there, I would brood a little bit, draw in my book, and when I found out those two then decided, oh, it's okay, we can date now, and, and all that, and they deliberately showed it off in front of me, that's when... I went to do it, but before I can do it, the school said that they had to call an ambulance because I told them that they couldn't stop me if, even if they, even if I wanted to. And so the ambulance came and I went to hospital for a few hours. They did a psych evaluation. I was taken out of school, we had the guns taken out of the house, we had police check up on me, that sort of thing. And I was basically essentially forced to see a psychologist a bit more often. And like out of that psychological evaluation, were you diagnosed with any type of mental health disorder or illness? No. Um, 
they just they they did pretty much what everyone else does and just say oh it's just anxiety depression mm-hmm. when i personally feel there's much more to it because anxiety doesn't do to your head what happened that day looking back what are some of the factors that you feel contributed to you wanting to commit a shooting other than the bullying and the breakup i suppose he would be a bit more of the head stuff that stuff really began to um i guess degrade in later years of school because i've had people say that I've been acting weird and all that which obviously upset me and I remember there was a time I got really confused like so confused that I was practically getting angry because I thought that they were fucking with me uh, because a friend of mine said that I was talking to no one when I obviously was at least to me and I've had people uh, make complaints to teachers and shit because they were uncomfortable whenever I apparently talked to myself that's what they said and um, I told one friend about um, how the world is like and they were very disturbed by it because um they likened it to delusions like paranoid delusions but to me it's very real and i really can't see it any other way it's my experience and it's from what i see from the from the stuff i read on the news from what i read online from what i see myself and but people genuinely uh, think I am not all there in the head because of that. Do you feel that that played a big role in you wanting to commit that shooting? Like people not understanding you and telling you that you're yeah, not right in the head? Yeah, exactly, because that sort of felt like Oh, this is another way to get at me, to try get it, to try get to me, because like trying to gaslight me, mm-hmm. and and not only that, but also the fact that the gaslighting actually worked. Well, it did work because I was getting so upset that I was like, you know, sort of questioning if what I was perceiving is real because they were doing that which ironically strengthened the delusions more it caused a lot of anger these things that you dealt with did you ever get professional help before that for it um before the um incident i had seen a counselor for social anxiety and asperger's syndrome which is borderline by the way but uh, after that, when I was in high school, I started seeing a psychologist for depression. When I 
opened up about my uh, suicidal ideation, but I never really elaborated on anything homicidal. When, like, when the psychologist asked me, do you want to hurt other people, I never really gave a straight answer. I was sort of like, well, depends, I guess, and all that, and, uh, and they sort of figured I was worried about the consequences, and they were like, listen, you can be open and honest with me. I, I imagine you're worried about getting locked up. You're not going to get locked up. That's not how it works here. But I don't trust that at all. So I never really fully opened up about it, even now. I find it very interesting because I see so many people that actually deal with these types of feelings and fantasies, but they don't really have a place where they feel safe enough to talk about it. And it's more people than we think, especially since mental health is declining a lot and not really being yeah, treated properly in some cases. Yeah, it's ironic because when you distance yourself from people who are basically, you know, crying for help, you're just breeding that sort of storm. So it's kind of like um, inaction is just as bad as perpetrating. Um, how much do you feel like your mental health had to do with, like, you wanting to commit the shooting? Well, uh, other than the other factors, the mental health does play a very big part into it because you, if someone is of sound mind, like, you know, they seem sound of mind and psychiatrists and that have confirmed the sound of mind, they're perfectly normal and all that in terms of thinking in a way, they aren't going to murder someone most likely. And if they were, it'd probably be a spur of the moment thing, maybe even by accident. But when it comes to what happened with me, it was because a normal person wouldn't entertain the idea. They would sort of look they maybe it crossed their mind but they crit but they would usually reject it. But in my case I was not opposed to it at first and then eventually I was like, I'm definitely doing it. Like I have to, in, in some twisted, logical sense. And what were you hoping to get out of the shooting? Like, what was what you were hoping to get out of it? I was hoping people would fear me and I would cleanse the world of all the injustice because I because as part of the delusions that my friends had told me about, I believe that I was of divine origin and God wanted me to stand up for myself and to remove these people that are unworthy. And so, and I guess that was sort of my brain's justification for planning. So it was like, I'm being picked on, targeted, 
God speaks to me and tells me that I should um, do it and that I have his blessing to do it. And was it something that you entertained on a daily basis? Every single day, the thought of hurting myself and others always comes across. Mm. Like, not a single... I don't think there's a single minute where it doesn't come across. It's there all the time, even in the back of my head, even right now. How do you deal with it today? Um, I take antidepressants, which I guess sort of makes me feel a bit happier, but it also gives me more motivation. So to deal with it, I sort of distract myself with the computer. I don't like leaving my room a lot. There have been times where I just sort of thought, I'm finally getting bored of these thoughts. And when I think, oh, they're dying down now because I've gotten bored of them or used to them, they would suddenly flare back up and feel like it was new all over again. I usually deal with it on my own because the people I know in real life simply do not understand and he never will. That's kind of lonely. It is. Not everyone with schizophrenia or mm. depression or OCD or anxiety think, oh, I'm going to kill this person, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. But there are people who in, who in a lot of cases already have some sort of coinciding mental illness like depression. Because most mass shooters suffer from depression. It could be, you could argue that it's a symptom of certain mental and environmental factors coincided with a mental illness like depression. But at the same time, I feel like in of its own, it's not just a symptom. It could be its own disorder. So, so I'm, I'm not a trained psychiatrist, but for all we know, it could be a very real mental illness separate from depression and OCD mm. and all that. I find it actually very interesting that you say, say that because I haven't looked at it that way yet. We only have like a list of mental illnesses and we're kind of like, okay. And we often question like, why do not all depressed people or all people with, you know, we can't really generalize shooters that well because there's tons of people who do not do it. I actually find it interesting to look at it in a way that it might actually be a separate illness. Yeah. And the the thing is, I suppose in a way, maybe, I guess, I would consider it kind of like psychosis. You can have it technically on its own, but it can also be looked at as a symptom. Mm -hmm. Like, people who don't have any other diagnosed disorders can have psychotic episodes. People with schizophrenia have psychosis as a symptom. Yeah. So, my idea is that homicidal 
motivations and ideations is in of itself something on its own. It's not just a matter of, oh, they live in the city, they had a bad upbringing, blah, 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 blah. A lot of people have been in that same scenario, but they don't grow up to be murderers. Most of them don't. And it happens in rural areas too. You gotta, you sort of gotta have this mindset to decide it. It is justified to do that sort of thing. Whether it's political, religious, mental, personal. Whether you're a ruined collector, a religious fanatic, or you're a worthless piece of shit that just wants <laughs> to do it because you think it's funny or exciting. Yeah, because I do find that interesting because I've been looking into these cases and like you try to find a, a pattern to find preventive methods. But like I said, so many people struggle with depression. So many people get bullied on a daily basis. So many people go through trauma. None of them per se turn out to be shooters. Yeah, because bullying is going to happen no matter what, and not every bully person is going to grow up to be a murderer. But So I think a good point of suggestion would not to be focusing on one specific area or pointing the finger at something, like how they pointed fingers at video games and goth culture and all that sort of thing, heavy metal and clothing or bullying and what the fuck ever. Mm. I, don't know, but I don't know, in 30 years they might be blaming fucking pot plants for the deadliest terror attack in human history. But instead they should be focusing on it itself as a psychological aspect itself. It's not just environmental. Because if you're just going to keep shifting the blame to, oh, it's not me, it's this then you're just gonna, then you're not really helping that much. Sure, you, you can prevent it, but you're not going to prevent it for long. Homicide and violence, you should be looking into the psychological aspect, definitely. Because, let's be honest, usually when someone commits murder, they aren't thinking straight. They have a lot of thoughts going on. They have a lot of emotions. Andre Chikatilo was probably high on hormones because he was getting off to the idea of murdering someone. And uh, the Columbine kids, Dylan and Eric, were probably, you know, full of adrenaline at the, at the sight of the sensations of explosions going off and screams in the background and them actually shooting people and, and, and in the end you're the adrenaline's going to come down and you're going to be like huh and you're going to react to it in some adverse way like you're either going to regret it or you're going to keep it bottled in or you might feel some sort of remorse and turn yourself in or you kill yourself and similarly enough People. This is how some serial killers actually happen. They'll kill one person for the, you know, 
this is especially the case in in serial killers who killed for the thrill or the excitement. They kill one person to feel the thrill. You know, like, ooh, that feels good. And yeah. and it will be such a big emotional high for them that when it goes down, it's like a drug to them. So they're going to try and kill more people to try and to try and reenact that high again. But they will never get it again because it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Almost like what they say with heroin, basically. Yeah. It, it, the, fir- the first time is the only time where it actually feels good. Every other time it feels less and less. I, I do always believe that the actual act of it maybe is less good than the anticipation. Yeah, and, and not only that, um, I also think is the whole theatrical, uh, almost sensationalist approach to it as well. Documentaries, movies, communities, news reports especially, um, of the latest mass shooting in America or something. We should be allowed to know this, we should be allowed to research this. But I have an issue when, uh, like, for example, you know the zero-hour documentary? It's almost cinematic, isn't it? Like in Columbine, you have Eric and Dylan who look like, who, and they're acting like they're two big badass heroes, and there's suspenseful music in the background, there's smoke, explosions and shit. Because when you're in, when you're in that mindset, you entertain the idea. You have your own motivations, but you still entertain it. Like, yeah, they're obviously highlighted to be the bad guys. But they still make it look very sensationalist to someone who is, at that time, probably wanting to hurt someone. That's just fuel, isn't it? I guess I understand why people then blame the media, because you do often see that shooters talk a lot about things that inspired them. But I do not think that the media is the cause of it. But I do think, it, like you just said, it can serve as fuel and inspiration for someone already thinking about it. Yeah, not, not the cause, but they definitely cause a little bit of inspiration. They, they just used as a scapegoat in some cases. You see it with Columbine also, like it's used as inspiration for so many shootings. Yeah, Columbine in Norway, they've, and Christchurch as well. And, and also, even in the case of the Dunblane School Massacre, Martin, just, I think it was mere weeks, because, yeah, it, it was mere weeks before Port Arthur happened, because Dunblane was the same month, same year at least. Martin Bryant, actually saw a new saw a news report of the Dunblane shootings. Yeah, he saw he saw the news report and and I think that's sort of what led him to maybe before he was, you know, thinking, I wanna kill people but seeing that news report might be that push because I think shortly after that he started buying the guns. If there are other people out there dealing with it on their own because of the stigma behind these thoughts and fantasies, what is your message to them? Like, 
What is your advice? It's gonna sound pretty hypocritical, considering me. But what I would say to them is that it does get better. And the first step is talking to someone, even if you don't have anyone to talk to right now. Wherever you figure it, wherever you uh, find a psychiatrist, or you talk to a friend or family member you trust, or you just talk to some random person online, particularly one that you know isn't gonna fucking freak out. It it gets better in the first step is talking and distracting yourself, trying to find ways to understand it more. And like how I'm doing it, even though it's not going to get rid of it, it certainly feels better to talk about it than holding it in. They, they meet someone like you and they do not understand. If you meet someone who opens up to you that they're having disturbing thoughts, whether they're about killing people or about killing themselves or they're about sexually harassing people or children or animals or whatever, okay, the first, the best thing you can do is to support them don't alienate them because if you alienate them they might feel more compelled to carry out their actions so if you are supportive like emotionally supportive of them without condoning the act obviously then you can then you might be able to help them out a bit you obviously can't force someone to see a psychiatrist, but if but the knowledge of that at least one person is open-minded enough to listen to them, no matter how um, I guess gross their inner feelings are, they might feel better about it they might even change their mind positive reinforcement is everything sure some people in that mindset might have different reactions to it but almost everyone who wants to hurt other people are doing it because they are hurt themselves and they just want to be heard and treated acts and they want to be treated right. Next week, we'll be interviewing Bill Ockham, who is a well-known true crime researcher within the shooter community, especially for those interested in the Columbine case. And if you want to ask a question or have a suggestion for a future episode of the Shooter Research Community podcast, you can leave a comment below like and subscribe if you want to and if you're interested in joining our community on discord you can also find the link in the details below i hope you all found this interview interesting and thought-provoking and i will see you all next week have a beautiful day and stay safe